Well, good morning and welcome to Daring Faith. You know, we have a couple canoes up here uh, kind of representing, well, that isn't really a boat you would get out of, but representing, you know, getting out of the boat. Uh, now, Daring Faith is going to be a series about not missing the adventure that God has for us. You know, not just settling for the, the routine, the mundane, the old path, the same old stuff, so that when God wants us to adventure and venture into the unknown, we're actually willing to do that, where we become bold risk takers because of the call of God on our life. Instead, though, sometimes it seems like we just sit back and play it safe and, and we miss the adventure that God has for us. Now, I want to start off this morning by asking you a question. It's this, what do you think the most dangerous object in your home is? Most dangerous object in your home is. Well, Larry Loudon, a professor of philosophy at the University of Wyoming, University of Wyoming, University of Hawaii, do you see what I just did there? I didn't stay up and watch the game, by the way. Um, he devoted one whole chapter in his book uh, to household dangers. Some of them are what you would expect. He says 460,000 people a year are injured by kitchen knives. Manual and power saws account for about 100,000 injuries per year, household items. Um, this is a statement, and I quote directly from the book, Loudon writes, annually, some 4,000 of us are seriously injured on pillows. I'm not making this up, okay? This is in the book. He doesn't say how. I mean, do you want to zip yourself up in it? Now, I can see kids especially being injured by pillows in the home, and maybe that accounts for most of it. I, I don't know what happens. But I want to show you what I think is the most dangerous object in our house. Are you ready? It's right here. I put a stool on it to try and hide what it was. It's right here, this chair. Now, I want to show us uh, how and why I think that this chair is so dangerous. Now, this is a special kind of chair. Uh, can anybody tell me what we typically call this chair? It's a lazy boy, right? Or an easy chair, right? You ever referred to that? Maybe the older generation. My dad always called it an easy chair because that's what kind of chair we want, right? We want a very comfortable, easy chair. I mean, why do we buy a chair like this, right? So in order to demonstrate this easy chair, I need a volunteer from out there. Will Hatch, would you please come up here? Thank you for volunteering. Um, now, this will be the easiest, seriously, the easiest volunteer job in the history of the world. Everybody give Will a hand. He's going to come up here. Now, first thing I need for you to do is to take your shoes off and, and put on these slippers. Um, they've not been worn much. And, and I want you to sit in here, and, and here's what I want us, want, I want you to immerse yourself in comfort. Okay, do they fit? Okay, they fit me. Do you? Oh, all right, they should fit fine then. All right, so, so by the time we're through with this illustration, I want to have raised the bar really high on comfort and relaxation. Okay, can you do that? I mean, so... 
So I have several things to make you more comfortable. We got the slippers. All right. Now um, put up the footrest. I think there's a probably a lever. Right. Right. Maybe. Maybe sit back a little bit. There you go. There you go. There you go. You're doing. You're doing well. Could we get the lights dimmed a little bit up here? You know, we need to have kind of a soft, quiet atmosphere. Now, we have this thing that we do in, in chairs sometimes, and we have a name for it. Um, it's called comfort food, right? So I've got some popcorn here. You might need to sit up a little bit. I mean, I, I know it's, it's really, okay, so here we've, we've got the comfort food. And, and, you know, one thing that you desperately need with comfort food, and I tried to find your favorite, which I know is Coke Zero, um, but I got Diet Mountain Dew. I, can you drink Diet Mountain Dew? Okay, and then, and then I got you this cup right here, um, which, I got a couple, which I got a couple weeks ago at Memorial Stadium. Now, you can't keep this, actually, but it's full of ice. You can, uh, during the service, you can enjoy your, your soda. And then, uh, let's see, uh, what else? What, what else do we do in our easy chairs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need this remote control, right? Uh, let's see a uh, couple more things here. Oh, I know that sometimes you might get cold in. Uh... I am a Wyoming fan, but I know you're also a Husker fan. So I, I dug out all of the. I had to actually dust this off, but. Um... And then, uh, Roy, if you could help us with one other final thing for our relaxation. There we go. Some nice, relaxing music. Isn't that great? Oh, now you can hear me really well. Now, I want you to take a good look at Will. Does this look like a man that's ready to spring into action? I mean, does this, does this look like someone who is is poised for an explosion of growth and development? Is Will somebody maybe here as he sits in this chair, somebody that might be willing to suffer or go through a really difficult thing? I mean, are you ready? If God were to ask Will, get out and do something, do you think he's going to want to respond to that? I mean, seriously, especially you men, when we're in this position... You know, I was, I, was, I, was, I was sitting in a chair and, and thought maybe I should go run once, but I just took a nap till the thought went away, right? And then I was okay. Um, now, if he were to stay in this chair during the service, you think he'd be awake at the end? Nope. Yay. All right, that's it. Get out of there. You're not staying in there to the end of the service. You can't have this. You can keep the chips and the soda and the ice. You can actually have that cup if you really want it. I mean, forget coming up here. I would actually let you take that home. Seriously. Let's give Will a hand. So what's that? Can you buy the chair? No, I have to take that back to the person I borrowed it from. Um, so... Here's the thing. Here's, here's what I think is so dangerous about this chair. It's, it's not the things that we do while we're in this chair. It's the things that we don't do because we're, in the, because we're living in this, in this comfortable 
chair. I mean, it's the relationships that we never deepen. It's the people that, that need to be served that we don't serve because we don't even see them. I mean, it's, it's the great, desperate, urgent prayers that we, that we never pray. It's the noble thoughts that we never think. It's the races that we've never run, the laughter we don't laugh, the songs we don't sing, the tears that we never weep because we're comfortable. And we like to be that way. It's, it's the great adventure of life that we were made for that we never experience because we never allow ourselves to get out of the box and to get out of what we would say our comfort zone. So I want to remind all of us that we were made for something other than comfort. You know, you and I, the North Hills Church family, we were, we were made to do something with our life more than just maximize our comfort, to, to maximize our security or even our safety. We were made to spend our life in daring faith and, and maybe even sometimes risky relationship with God. Now, when I'm talking about daring faith, it's also real important for you to understand that I'm not talking about doing stupid things. Okay, I'm not talking about going over Niagara Falls in a barrel or driving your car really fast down a dirt road and see if you can keep it between the ditches or doing something dumb. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about living a risky relationship with Jesus Christ. It's, it's really about making our ordinary life an adventuresome partnership with God. It's, it's getting up in the morning and, and saying, God, what do you have for me today? And then saying, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. Now, in the Bible, there, there's a very common kind of encounter that God has with people all throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. When God calls or challenges a person with an assignment a task to do. There seems to be a pattern, and I want to talk about that pattern a little bit today because it's true, I think, in our lives as well. I want to walk us through the components of this pattern, and I think you'll find that it, it's probably been true in your life, just as true as it was for those that we see in Scripture, and even in the life of the church. So, first of all, number one, God issues a challenge. God issues a challenge. These these accounts all begin with God asking somebody to do something. Jesus said many times, follow me. Follow me. God, God will issue you a challenge to follow you, follow him, as he has never done that before. Here's another question. Those of you who know a lot about the Bible. When in the Bible does God interrupt somebody's life and ask them to do an easy job? When does he do that? When does God interrupt somebody's life and say, I've got an assignment for you and it's really quick, it's really not that difficult and demanding, uh, how often does that happen? Rough guess? Never. Uh, there's a whole chapter in the Bible, in fact, if you turn there really quick to Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read a portion of that here in a moment, that summarizes the life of one person after another, where God interrupts them, challenges them, and gives them something really hard to do. God comes to Noah and he says, I want you to build an ark in the face of ridicule, a boat, and I'm going to make it do something that you've never seen before. Trust me. Just do it. God comes to Abraham 
And he says, I want you to leave everything that's familiar to you. I want you to go to a faraway country that I'll show you when to stop when you get there. And at the age of 99, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to have a son and you're going to birth a nation. God comes to Joseph and says, I want you to be faithful to me even when you're betrayed by your brothers, even when you're put in prison, and even when you're a slave. God comes to Moses and says, I want you to leave a life that's very comfortable. He was shepherding, and I want you to go back to Egypt where you're wanted for murder, and, and I want you to confront the Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. God called all kinds of people. But God doesn't call them to easy, comfortable lives. He challenges them. Hebrews 11, if you look there, uh, I'm going to read verses 32 through 39. And what more shall I say, the writer of Hebrews says? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Not in that life, not in this life. Now, after reading through those words, how high does it seem a value God puts on giving people comfortable lives? It's not really seem to be his goal, does it? Not much. The Bible says that God created us in his image, and he loves us intensely and wants you and me to grow, and he wants us to be strong. He wants us to be filled with courage and wisdom and goodness. But God, from what we see in the Bible, is not particularly concerned about our comfort. It's real important that we understand this, I think, because we live in a world where comfort is the goal. I mean, we, we hear it from, from a young age. Uh, it, it's that, I mean, isn't that one of the blessings and gifts of living in the United States, right? To live a comfortable life, and many of us do. But that's not God's goal, I don't think. I mean, we live in a world where comfort is one of the things that we're most often encouraged to pursue, even to buy at whatever cost it might take. So God challenges people, usually, to do something difficult. That's the first thing that happens. Then, then number two, people respond. People respond. In every case, the person God challenges gives his or her answer to God directly as we look at especially in the old testament we see this again when god interrupts a life and he challenges a person to do something he gives them a hard assignment how often does the person say back to god something like this what a great opportunity confront pharaoh you want me to take on the midianites 
You want me to spend a night in the lion's den, walk into a fiery furnace, marry a woman that's pregnant and says she's still a virgin, face jeers, beatings, chains, and prison? Fabulous. What a great opportunity. No, that's not the answer that God receives, is it? I mean, almost to the person, I think, people respond with fear, right? I mean, they're scared. What? Um, they're scared to death, and sometimes it's a fear of inadequacy. You know, like, I, I, you're asking me to do something, God, that I can't do. Um, I'm afraid of this. God comes to a guy named Gideon. And he says this, I want you to save my people from the Midianites. I want you to be the guy. I want you, Gideon, to be the guy that leads them into battle. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 15, we have Gideon's answer. But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He's afraid. He's scared. He's like, I'm not adequate... I'm not adequate for this, God. You, you talk about dysfunctional families, Lord. Man, you sh- don't you know my family? I mean, uh, my family is the most dysfunctional family in all of Manasseh, and I'm the worst of them. I'm the lowest functioning one. Sometimes it's the fear of failure. God asked Moses in Numbers chapter 13 and his scouts to explore the promised land, and they come back, and what happens? Eight out of ten say, no way we can do this. It, those people are too big. We are too few. We'll never, ever be able to handle this. They will devour us. We can never do it. We ought to, you know what? We should just go back to Egypt. We should just go back home. We're going to fail. Exodus 3 is maybe the classic case in this. God challenges Moses to confront Pharaoh. And what is Moses' response? He's so scared, he says no five times. God, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to, I'm, I'm afraid, I, I don't speak well. I mean, he comes up with all kinds of excuses. And I mention this because sometimes people say things like this, God would never ask me to do something I'm scared to do. Have you ever thought that? Oh, he would never ask me to do something that I'm scared to do, or God would never ask me to do something that I can't handle, but co- to the contrary, The Bible is full of moments like that in history where God says, I want you to do this, and the person says, I can't do that, and God says, perfect, that's exactly where I want you because alone you can't do it. That's where faith comes in. So if there's a challenge in front of you, a road that if you walked down it would cause you to grow and probably help a lot of people, but you're scared to do it, be really careful saying no. I mean, yes, discern whether it's God's voice or not, but there's a real good chance that God is in that challenge. Now, I'll go even a step further, and I would say, and I said this last week as well, If you're not facing any challenges that are too big for you, it's been a long, maybe it's been a long time since you've been scared to do something that God has asked you to do. I wonder if maybe you haven't been sitting in this chair a little bit too long. Maybe you're too comfortable. 
and you're not seeing the things that God is challenging you to. I pray that we are all challenged in this series to look. You know, I've never known anybody who had a deep, bold faith in Jesus that led an easy, comfortable life. A challenge-free life. Never. Never. So God challenges people. People respond. And almost always, people are scared. They feel inadequate. That's just part of what we feel when we're facing something that we don't think we can handle. Then the next component we find is that God offers reassurance. God offers reassurance. A striking thing about what we see in the Bible is that even though people almost always have an initial response of resistance, God doesn't react by saying, oh, I can see where this would be pretty scary, so you know what, never mind. You know, I'll just go find somebody else to do that. That's not how God responds. God knows that people get get scared. God knows who we are. He created us. God says to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God is encouraging him. He's strengthening him. God says to Joshua, these magnificent words in Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you? Is this not something I have asked you to do? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because it's the Lord God who will be with you. I, you know, parent, you, you have a kid, he's afraid of the dark, and you send him out to empty the trash. You know, sometimes we might challenge him a little bit and hand him a flashlight. Sometimes we may walk with him. That's what God does. Maybe some of you here this morning need to write that verse down, Joshua 1.9, and take it with you everywhere you go this week. Again, it's very important that we understand what these promises mean. They don't mean that if we follow God, life is going to be easy, that nothing bad will ever happen to us. God never promises us that. In fact, Jesus said in this life, what? You will have trouble. You will have trouble. The Apostle Paul said yes to God, and he went on the adventure of his life, right? And he had lots of bad things happen to him. This is what Paul writes, reviewing his life in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 27. Remember, he said, yes, God said, this is what I want you to do. Paul says, yes. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, and in danger at sea. Wow, where's this guy not been in danger? I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. God never promises us that if we follow Him that our life will be easy. We need to recognize that we might suffer. We might get hurt. We might die. But we still need to say yes to the challenge that God puts on our life. The promise that gets made over and over and over is this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 39 says this. Paul says, I am convinced that nothing, height nor depth, remember, Paul has experienced all of these things in his life, yet he's still convinced. I am convinced that nothing, height nor depth, angels nor demons, powers nor principalities, danger, nakedness, famine, sword, nothing. Not nothing is able to harm me, but nothing is able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He knows that God is with him all the time. He experienced all of those things and he didn't get get discouraged. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't say it's too much. Because he knew that God was with him. He knew that if God challenged him and he responded with yes, that God would then reassure him and be with him in the midst of that. Which then leads us to the fourth component, which is decision time. It's decision time. We have to decide. What really matters when God challenges us to do something is not whether or not we feel inadequate. Again, the, the, the most likely feeling that we're going to feel is, is fear. Fear of inadequacy, again, fear of failure, all of those things. What matters is our decision. Whether we say yes or no, it's our decision that matters. So maybe your challenge involves a relational risk. Maybe it's telling somebody something truthful and you're not quite sure how they're going to handle it but, and you've been scared about that. Maybe your marriage is stagnant and you need to have a, a courageous conversation with your spouse or you need to suggest that, that maybe we should, we should go seek some help somewhere. That can be scary. Maybe God is calling you to a different vocation or a different job or to the mission field. I mean, we have one of our own, Steffi Sandlin, who is, is, is raising the support to go to Turkey. I can't imagine, I can't imagine, and maybe, maybe she has that much faith, but I, I can imagine that there was some fear when she felt that God was calling her to that, to that place. I certainly know there's fear in her parents. Maybe you're holding on to your money right now because, you've had, because you'd like to buy a very expensive chair or something else. Maybe God's calling you to give some of that away and you've been resisting. You're kind of scared to let it go. You're kind of scared to say, okay, God, you're calling me to this percent every month, first of the month. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I will be obedient. What is your, going to, your decision going to be? Yes or no? Maybe it's developing a relationship with someone and sharing your faith. Maybe it's looking for that opportunity that God gives you. Maybe, maybe you have somebody in your life who is just waiting for you to invite them to come to church, to, to be a part of this series, to, to be challenged in the area of faith. For some of you, it could be an addiction. You've been scared to death that somebody would find out. So you've never gotten help. Maybe you're going through a real deep loss or pain. Your challenge is just to hold on. My brother told me one day, he said, David, sometimes God answers your prayer for strength in just 
helping you stand. Forget about taking a step forward. It's just sometimes to stand. You know, I, I think God's asking all of us to get out of this chair. Say yes to whatever it is that He's been challenging you to. Uh, and, and here's why I think it matters so much. The Bible is, is full of, of accounts where God puts a challenge onto a person and where that person is, is afraid and then where they finally make a, a decision. And again, as I said before, whether that decision is yes or no, what we need to recognize is that the result of that decision, either yes or no, is a changed life. The result of that decision is going to be a changed life. Every story of a call from God ends up being the story of a changed life. Every time we say yes to God, it results in our life being changed a little bit. Every time we say no to God, our life is going to change a little bit. Sometimes people say no to God. Again, once there was this rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and he said, what, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus, what would you have me to do? And Jesus tells him, he challenges him in Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. He says this, Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus says, I want you to go. I want you to sell everything you have. And when you do, he says, give to the poor. It's going to help a lot of people. There's going to be good come from this generosity that I want you to have. Then I want you to come follow me. It's going to be amazing. You know all that stuff you have? I want you to get rid of it. I want you to sell it. But what does the rich young ruler do? He, I, I think he probably gets this really sick feeling in his stomach. He swallows really hard. He thinks about what Jesus just asked him to do. I mean, he had a lot of money. He had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of power. He had a really nice chair. And he didn't want to leave it. Verse 22, this is his answer. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. His answer was, no, I'm not willing to give up all of my possessions. He walked away. I wonder sometimes what happened to that guy. You know, we don't, we don't hear, but it, it may be that he lived to a really old life. And that he continued to have all of his really nice stuff. And the world may have looked on him and said, what a success that guy. Look at all the money that he left his family. Look at the comfort that he lived in in his life. But ultimately, we know that in holding on to his things, he gave up his soul. That's the assumption. Either way, when we get called by God, we're never the same. Right? When God asks us to do something and we say no, our heart gets a little bit colder. And we find just a few more excuses to not be obedient to God's Word and just a few more reasons why we shouldn't need to do this. We get a, a little bit harder of hearing. And we turn that TV up just a little bit more sitting in that chair so we can't hear 
the distraction. And our faith gets a little bit weaker and we get a little more addicted to the chair. So, will you say yes with me? Will, will you say yes? Because if God challenges you to do something, He will give you the energy. He will give you the talents. He will give you the abilities. He will give you the patience. He will give you the money, the resources, the contacts, the network, whatever you need. Whatever God wants to accomplish in challenging you with whatever it is, He will provide you with exactly what you need. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Jesus Christ. God says, you know what, North Hills, I want you to be my salt and light. In Goshen County, in Platte County, in Scotts Bluff County, in Niobrara County, in Laramie County, in Wyoming, in the region at the University of Wyoming, in Turkey, in North Africa, in the Cameroon, North Hills, I want you to be my salt and light. I want you to be an ambassador to all of these areas. Live for me there. Light up the darkness there with your life. I want to shine through you. What a calling. What a challenge. And I believe, as I've been thinking about this and praying about this, and honestly, any moment in time, this could be true. But I think right now, this is a critical moment in our church's history where we have to decide. I mean, are we going to be cautious? Are we just going to be content with who we are and who's here and who we know and what they know about our Savior Jesus Christ? And, you know... Kind of a nice place to be. The lights are on. The bills are paid. Ah, isn't it great? Now, I think there are moments of time in our life and even the life of a church where, where it's okay to be content in that and to celebrate that, but we can't stay there very long because if we do, we won't get out of the chair. You know, the, the struggle and the fight for every church, I think, is is reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. We generally tend to reach in fairly easily and take care of ourselves. And, and I want us to, to all pray for the next 40 days, God, what do you have for our church? What do you have for me as a part of this church in the next five years, in the next 10 years? What is it? Now here's what I want to ask you to do during this daring faith. Okay, at the bottom of your outline, there are four things listed there. I, these are four things that, that I want to ask you to do. First of all, I want you to watch and discuss six video studies on faith. Okay, you can do that in, hopefully in your small groups. Um, we have a couple leaders who, there's a, a list on the table out there that says the day and the time and their address that, that are willing to lead and host and a couple of them just need members, just need people to say, yep, that works for me, that's a great night. Some of you have been contacted already by, by your leader, and, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in your groups. Um, that, 
that six-session uh, video is, uh, I mean, we've recorded, I've recorded three of them already. Uh, Caleb produced the first one this week on a DVD. There's a few DVDs for our small group leaders available on the table out there. Uh, starting tomorrow, there will be a link on our church website to a YouTube video that's that video. You could go there and watch it on your phone or whatever. Just click on that. It's, it's about 21 minutes long this week. Watch those. Would you commit to watching those? Would you commit to being here every Sunday for the next five weeks? Get into a group today. If you're not in a group, you're like, oh man, I missed it. I can't do it. No, you could sign up today for a small group. You could sign up next week for a small group. We'll find a place for you. There's a small group that meets uh, the Sunday school classes in the morning on Sunday mornings is going to go through this material. So you could come at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings and be a part of that group if a night of the week doesn't work for you. The second thing is this. To read the daily devotionals, those study guides that are available out there, they're $5. They're, they're going to be challenging. They're going to be inspirational. It will help you work through and think through the topics, the passages that we're going to be looking at and studying. And then, of course, there's the, the daily prayer reminder. Uh, I hope that you'll take advantage of that because I think, again, we need to be rem reminded every day. And some of us might be, oh yeah, gung-ho the first seven days and then after 14 days or 20, 21 days. I mean, it's 40 days. You know, 40 days ago seems like it was yesterday, right? I mean, it, time just goes just like that. So don't waste any time getting signed up for some of these things because before you know it, two weeks are going to be gone. Uh, so watch and discuss the six videos. Number two, read the daily devotions. Number three, uh, and I said this already, be here every weekend to listen to the messages. If you absolutely can't be here, uh, we stream on Facebook. You can go after uh, on Monday through Saturday and, and listen to the sermon on our church website. You just click on media and it'll take you right there. And then the fourth thing is this. Carry the weekly Bible verse with you. Memorize it. And I, I trust that God's going to challenge us immensely during this series. But you know, honestly, in some ways it's kind of up to you. Uh, maybe God this morning is challenging you to say yes to this series. Maybe that's where it starts. And you have a decision to make this morning. Yes, God, I'm going to do this. Or no. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of what I might learn about myself or what God might try to speak to me through this. So I'm just going to grab my blanket and curl up in the chair over here. So here's what I, do, what I want to do in the next few moments before we come to the communion table. Um, I, I want to just... I'm going to pray, but I, I want us to take a few moments and acknowledge maybe you have fears. Maybe you are afraid. Maybe you, you feel it in your chest right now. You know exactly what that fear is. Or maybe you know exactly what God is challenging you to. And, and uh, there are these fears that are holding you back. Give that over to Him. Maybe, maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe you've gotten a, di a diagnosis that creates great anxiety in you. And you realize that the next step for you is to trust that God is more powerful than death. God is more powerful than your health. But you realize that you're not to that point yet. Let Him know. Let God know.
you could trust him to hear you and not become defensive. <laughs> Maybe you have a sense, a new sense of calling, and that's creating anxiety in you. Maybe this morning when I made the announcement that we need an Awana commander, God said, you know what, I want you to do it. And, and you've been for the last 35 minutes coming up with every excuse why you shouldn't be that guy. Why, why you are afraid to do that. Why, why you, you're inadequate for that, for that role. But again, whatever it is, if He's challenging you to do it, if He's calling you to do it, He will, he will give you what you need to do what He wants you to do. Let's pray. Would you pray with me right now? Father, uh, Father, right now we want to give You all of our anxieties. Father, it's, it's one thing to come to church and hear how loving You are and how gracious and how merciful You are and how You've given us all of the spiritual blessings. And, and Lord, I thank You for that and I praise You for that. I thank You for the book of Ephesians and what You taught in the midst of that. And Father, this series is a little bit different than, than working through a book of the Bible. And Lord, I pray that, that You would help relieve some of the anxiety that is present in the room even today. As we think about you calling us to something. We feel immature and not ready or not spiritual enough or whatever might be those thoughts that come through us. I pray that, that you would help us to say yes. That we would ask the same power of Jesus Christ that overcame the world and overcame sin and overcame death. Your Word says that we can call on that resurrection power. I pray, Father, that, that that power would work in our hearts and our minds as we leave here today. God, I pray that You would use the daring faith of those in this church to proclaim the good news of the Gospel. That, that we would that our faith would be stretched and that as our faith is, is stretched and as we trust in You, that, that that light would shine into all of those relationships around us. And Father, if there's anyone here today who's never surrendered their life to You, to Jesus Christ, I pray that they would, Lord, I pray that You would call them and I pray that they would respond with, yes, yes, I believe. Yes, I surrender my life. I'm scared to death. I don't know what that all entails, but yes. Yes, Jesus. Fill my heart. Fill my life. I want to learn to trust You. I want to learn to follow You. I want to put my faith in You. Father, would You strengthen our faith? Would You strengthen our faith in Your name? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.